It's time for episode 364 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, September 16th, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the clock-based tech podcast that doesn't sense your blood oxygen levels, which is a bummer. I am one of your co-hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal and dungeon buddy, that's because we play Dungeons and Dragons together, Dan the Man Morin. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well, Micah. According to this uh, number I've scribbled on a paper before me, I have 120% oxygen in my blood, <laughs> which I assume is good. I can't imagine why that would be bad. Stay away from fires. That's all I have to say. That's every day. Every day I do that. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Uh, well, there are some folks that I don't stay away from because that's a segue. And I am excited to say <laughs> that they're here. <laughs> to, to my left is the managing editor, I believe, is, is your current title at iMore. Yeah, that good. Cool. And just all around rock star. It's Lori Gill. <laughs> How you doing, Lori? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. And to my left this week, the senior news editor at iMore uh, from some days of the week, I'm told, it's Stephen Warwick. Welcome, Stephen. Thanks very much for having me, guys. How you doing? Very well. Thanks for being here. Alrighty, folks, you know how this show works. Four topics, 30 minutes, and I'm going get to get things underway with mine. Uh, I'm just curious. Do you think that Apple, uh, at its event held yesterday as we record this episode, uh, delivered enough with the Apple Watch Series 6 to justify a new number, the 6, and a new purchase? Lori, we'll start with you. So I think the answer is yes from my perspective because I love the colors of the watch cases. So I, I instabot just because of that. But I also think the um, blood oxygen monitor is a really big deal that just like the ECG monitor and the heart rate monitor before it and fall detection, all of that has been really incredible for Apple Watch. And I think every time a new sensor gets added to this Apple Watch, it becomes invaluable to people. So definitely, I think it's such a big deal to be able to have this additional sensor that I even might recommend if you can afford it upgrade from the series five because it's a big deal it's a it's a really incredible feature so yeah i think it was worth it i was slightly less bullish on it than Lori, and i think that's because apple is very savvy about their watch market and they know that people probably don't upgrade every year and so by incrementally pushing forward their model every single year they make it an increasingly attractive proposition for people who might have a generation or two older watches. So I'm on a series 4 which I upgraded to from a series 0 and it you know it felt like a huge improvement because I went like had the bigger screen, it was so much faster and more responsive than the original and I hadn't done the you know the the series 2 and the 3 in the meantime. Uh, similarly, I, I don't know that I will upgrade to the Series 6 this year, but it continues to add features that when I do upgrade, I know I'll get all of these features, right? I'll get the always-on display, I'll get the blood oxygen sensor, I'll get that always-on altimeter. Like, all those features sort of keep adding up year after year, so that each as each year goes by, it's a more attractive proposition. So I think that's really savvy on Apple's part. Because I do think that the majority of customers are probably not on that one-year upgrade cycle for the Apple Watch. 
And by making it more attractive and holding that price point steady, it just seems like a better and better deal. And I will say, I, I looked up the trade-in value because I was tempted. Uh, and the trade-in value of my Series 4 is like 140 bucks. And I was like, well, that actually brings it down to closer like the Apple Watch SE price. So that's way more attractive as a proposition there. So yeah, I, I, did, I think it was enough to merit the upgrade uh, name. I'm not sure about the repurchase for everybody, but I think it's still an increasingly attractive proposition. Stephen, what about you? Yeah, I, I really don't know. I maybe not a new number. I think a new a new letter. I think it should have been Series Five S. I just you are getting some some cool new features, right? I get the blood oxygen monitor in. The altimeter is nice. I really like the new finishes, the product red and um, the blue, and you are getting that you know the twenty percent processor boost. But I don't think it, like, certainly if you had like like you were saying like a Series Four or Series Five if this is going to be worth the update. And if you were a newcomer, if this was the first Apple Watch that you were ever going to buy, I don't know if I could ever recommend to anyone the Series 6 over the Apple Watch SE, which I guess we'll we'll get onto a little bit later. Um, wow. So all good and interesting answers there. Um, for me, yeah, I, I have to, to keep in mind kind of uh, a little bit with, within Lori's boat, I have to keep in mind that... Um, Almost any Apple Watch has been worth the upgrade for me. Um, I was on the Series 0 for a long time. I think I upgraded to the Series 3 and then kind of kept upgrading every year from that point on. Uh, you know, normally I'd make the joke here about, well, I, you know, work for uh, a company where, and, and my job is to literally talk about this. So, of course, I get these products to talk about them. Uh, and, you know, it, it, Twit pays for them, ha ha ha, or whatever. But, I have to say that even if I didn't work for the company that I work for and do the job that I do each week, uh, the Apple Watch for me became a device that even more in some cases than the iPhone, I find myself being excited and interested in the latest version for it. And even just adding that blood oxygen sensor um, was enough of an upgrade for me to want to make that purchase. Um, I stuck with the space gray. I really like the colors, but it's just once you choose a color, then you have to sort of uh, worry about things clashing when, when you wear it. It is an item that you know you wear on your wrist a lot. So I stuck with the space gray. But I guess uh, ultimately, I agree with what Steven's saying there that maybe and a letter would have been a better choice here because a whole upgrade or a whole new number for just um what what amounts to blood oxygen and faster processor doesn't seem like enough but i guess i'll find out when i get the new one how i feel about that and if it still remains true or if i do feel like it's a whole new watch a whole new world a dazzling place, etc. Um all right, let's move on to our next topic which comes from Lori. Apple did just announce the iPad Air yesterday, which is gorgeous, and it comes in multiple colors. It's also got a high retina, 10.9-inch display screen, A14 processor, 12-megapixel camera. Can I say that word? <laughs> now that the iPad Air is practically as powerful as the iPad Pro, what is Apple going to do next? What do you think, what do you predict Apple's going to do next for the iPad Pro? They're going to make it more expensive. No. Um, <laughs> well, Always yes. Always a good bet. <laughs> Uh, well, all right. So the obvious thing is that we'll see some sort of processor bump now that the iPad Air has gotten this A14. I think that the way their their processor roadmap shook out, they ended up in an awkward situation where they wanted to ship a Pro update, but they didn't have a brand new processor line ready to go, which is why we ended up with the 12Z. 
So I imagine it's possible that a 14X will show up in an iPad Pro next year. So we'll still see like the improved processor stuff that the iPad Air and presumably the iPhone 12 will get, but also potentially some improved graphical performance or something else that's sort of a an add-on to that. As far as beyond that, man, it is hard to figure out these days. I mean, there is a lot of power in the iPad Pro already. And I think, honestly, most people would agree that's what what's mainly holding the iPad back is the software end, not the hardware end. So in terms of what we might see in a new iPad Pro, I think the sort of biggest thing that's been rumored is new display technology um, that would give it another one up over the air if we move to the sort of micro LED style displays. Um, and then potentially, yeah, whatever that A14X benefit brings. But with like all the, the LiDAR that it's already got and all the camera lenses that they just added, it is harder to imagine what a new iPad Pro, especially just a year after, you know, an iPad Pro revamp is going to look like. Steven, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm with you actually. There's really strange situation where the the iPad Air has now almost leapfrogged the iPad Pro with this new processor. So like if I was being reasonable, I suppose um an A14 is fairly reasonable to assume. I would really love to see them do more with augmented reality and the lidar scanner. I think that's um uh just you know, a, a really good opportunity for for Apple to to do more with the device. I think there's there's a lot of applications there. Um, but I've written down if I was being unreasonable, I would love just a bigger iPad Pro. Let's get 13, oh. 14, 17 inches. Um, even like an iPad Pro table, like that would be pretty excellent. Um, <laughs> so I, w- I would love a bigger iPad Pro. Um, yeah, th- thirteen to, to seventeen inches, somewhere in that range. Uh, and the other one, let's make it foldable. I suppose the the MacBook Pro is is technically like a foldable <laughs> iPad Pro. There, there's a lot of blurred lines there, isn't there? But uh, I think a, a foldable iPad Pro would be would be really something else. Wow. Um. So I honestly, I I was at kind of uh, talking about this with Leo yesterday. Um. As I was looking at my iPad Pro, going, okay, now what makes this Pro versus? I mean, you've got USB C in the iPad Air now, uh, and it comes in green for God's sake. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of pumped to be checking out the iPad Air in October and seeing uh, how well you know it works and and I I honestly don't know, Lori, um, but yeah, I guess uh, put me down for an iPad table. That's for sure, uh, Lori. Why don't you round us out? Yeah, so I think everybody's hit on some of the things I think Apple is going to do with the iPad Pro. They have to distinguish it, right? They have to make it more pro than the iPad Air. So I think we are going to see something like an XDR display for the iPad for that size screen. They did it with the iMac. So they're, you know, they're going to get there with the iPad. So I think that's probably in the works. Obviously, the faster processor is going to be absolutely the next thing they do. But I think what they're doing is they are going to position the iPad Air as the augmented reality device of the future. And that's where they're going to distinguish it from the other iPads. Because we know that Apple, they've said this many times, they're bullish on augmented reality. We hear this all the time. So I think they're going to start pushing that iPad Pro as something more intended for people who work on and use augmented reality on a regular basis so that they can keep the iPad Air as this really top quality thing, but not for people, but only for people who aren't into augmented reality. And that's where they'll make that separation. Interesting. All right. It is, as I have just checked the clock, time for halftime. And this episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Pingdom from Solar wins. Do you have a website 
And does your website have a shopping cart, registration forms, or contact us pages? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need Pingdom. Nobody wants their critical website transactions to fail. That means a bad experience for your users and could mean lost business for you. But the good news is you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom. Transaction monitoring will alert you when cart, checkout, forms, and login pages fail before they affect your customers and your business. Pingdom will let you know the moment any of these fail in whatever way is best for you. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the outage severity. Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest site experience possible. And if disaster strikes, you, of course, will be the first to know. It's super, super easy to get started. You just go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code CLOCKWISE at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and RelayFM. Alrighty, Dan, what is your topic? Well, we touched upon the Apple Watch Series 6 and briefly mentioned the Apple Watch SE, the second of two new models introduced yesterday. This is Apple's attempt to create sort of a mid-range watch, which many thought was going to be much cheaper than it actually ended up being. So my question is, does the Apple Watch SE really hit that sweet spot of price for performance, or is it too expensive for not enough? Steven? I have to say, yeah, I definitely think this is a, a sweet spot device. I think... I hadn't really seen much about the expected price beforehand, so I guess maybe we'll touch on you know what people were expecting. I thought it was really interesting that Apple kept the Series 3 watch alive as well, um, but you're not really losing out um, on that much. The only things that the SE doesn't really have um, on the Series 6 is the always-on display, the more premium finishes, um, blood oxygen... ECG, so there's there's definitely like a big difference uh, in terms of the health and wellness application. But I think the Apple Watch SE will be a lot like the iPhone SE, and that it will be a great watch for most people. Certainly a really good entry level device, and I think we're going to see this get recommended um, by a lot of outlets and reviewers. Um, I always think of it sort of like the watch. Um, not that I would buy, but if my if my mum or dad said, I want an Apple Watch, you'd be like, all right, get the Apple Watch SE. It's not the oldest one, so you've got a good bit of future-proofing in there, but it's not the the most current, the most expensive version. So yeah, for me, um, I think it, it cuts uh, down the middle of the, the Series 3 and the Series 6 really nicely. I got to agree with Steven. Um, I, I think it is a sweet spot. Um, it's the watch that, you know, I, I think of especially... With with Apple working on this family uh, deal where you essentially use your Apple Watch as an entry-level iPhone almost for kids. Uh, you don't want them to have a full-on smartphone, but you want to make sure that you can uh, get in touch with them, they can get in touch with you, excuse me, and that you can sort of... Uh, you can keep track of what's going on and, and all that kind of stuff. In that way, I think that this watch is in that perfect spot. Um and when people are looking for a sort of a, a fitness tracker that also does all of the notification and um, communication stuff that the Apple Watch does, they may go for the SE over the six. Um, so I, yeah, I think this, this is a very intriguing product and an intriguing price point. And what I think more is that we'll see is even if we don't see 
the price point as it is as a a good deal we're going to see a lot of deals from places like Best Buy, Target, etc. on the iPhone or excuse me on the Apple Watch SE that will make it um a good deal for a watch especially as uh our <laughs> least favorite holiday but uh holiday comes around which is Black Friday and then of course Cyber Monday. Um I think we're going to see some deals leading into the holiday season with the the SE. Lori, what are your thoughts? I completely disagree with both of you. Okay, <laughs> good to know. So, I like it. Here's here's the way I think of it. First of all, now the Series 3 no longer comes with cellular. So that means that they have positioned the Series 3 as nothing. It, it won't work with family setup. So they've made the Series 3 obsolete, frankly, for for families. Because what do you do with your Apple Watch when you don't want it anymore? You you might hand it down to your kid or pass it along to your grandparent. Um, and that you, you can't really do that with, um, the series three and have family set up. So giving it to a kid that doesn't have an iPhone. So that, that $199 Apple watch is now not only really old, but also kind of not worth it for a lot of people. So then you have this iPhone, uh, this Apple watch SE that has some of the, the features that don't come with the series three, but none of like a bunch of the features that it should come with at that price point, like the ECG monitor and the blood oxygen monitor. I think that they should have just gotten rid of the series three entirely. They should have used more series four related stuff, not worry about that faster processor, but get those monitors in there, all the, all the health and wellness monitors in there and keep that price at 199. I, I just, I think that they, I don't know who they're trying to appeal to this with this other than to almost like force people into buying it because the series three is now a ridiculous purchase at this point. It, it used to be a great value. Now it's kind of not anymore. So that's, that's the why I don't think the SE is a good price for that. I think, uh, and those are interesting answers. I, I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of variation there, which I like. Uh, I think Lori, you're onto something with, I do think that there is, this is carefully positioned for an upsell. Because at only 80 bucks more than the Series 3, I feel like if you go in thinking, well, I can get an Apple Watch for 200 bucks, and then you're like, oh, I could get a much better Apple Watch for $80 on top of that. That's much more compelling, right? But it does raise the question of why the Series 3 is still there, other than to hold down that 199 price point, suggesting that they couldn't get the SE into a 199 price point this year. Perhaps that will change next year. But for now, we end up with this watch that I, I think is actually taken on its own a fairly good value. Like 280 bucks is not too bad for all of the features that are in there. And and Stephen, I think, made a great point in that it really seems to be isolating those high-end like health sensors as a differentiator. But that is also one of the key aspects mm-hmm. of the Apple Watch is that it's a health and fitness device. And so separating that out, I think, is tricky because it is all of a sudden it's like, well, do you want the Apple Watch that's about fitness or do you want the Apple Watch that's about health and fitness? And it's like, <laughs> all right, I, I guess that's an option for some people. Maybe uh, some people don't want to monitor that or aren't as interested or aren't as compelled about that. But it does take away a lot of the stuff that I think gives the Apple Watch its most prominence, right? Like we saw all those videos at the beginning of the Apple Watch segment about how Apple Watches save people's lives. And a lot of those are based on these sensors. And to not include those feels like, um, well, okay, do you want the Apple Watch that's going to save your life or do you want the Apple Watch that doesn't care if you live or die? Uh, <laughs> that's a little harsh, but I, I think it's it's an interesting choice. And I'm I'm very curious to see how it pans out. I actually do think it will be a big success for them because I think it's priced 
very competitively, especially when you look at anything else in the market. But it, it does raise a question of whether now we've locked off the health stuff behind sort of a more premium price, which I think is an interesting choice. Anyways, thanks for your answers to that. Let's move on to our last topic, which comes from Stephen. Absolutely right. The gloves are off. It's time for the most controversial <laughs> announcement of the week. Was Apple right to remove the charger from the Apple Watch box? And do you think Apple's going to do the same when iPhone 12 rolls around, whenever that will be? So I think that the the biggest issue here is what always happens when news stories like this uh, take sort of they start in a space of it's almost like a it's a concentric circle and in your in the very inner part of the circle is apple and then right outside of that are us uh the folks who follow apple regularly who un, who religiously follow the events um who understand what these different things mean and then outside of that is the more general uh tech press and sort of bigger tech press and then way outside of that are the news outlets uh and particularly sort of local news outlets that do um you know your your standard somebody was driving a tractor down the highway yesterday uh more at 7 and then they end up covering this in a way that they didn't quite get the actual story and didn't understand what was being said and so they ended up saying that there's no cable and there's no uh charger in, there's no, you know, charging brick in the box, or they, they, they just get things wrong. And then the general public thinks that, you know, suddenly you're not going to be able to charge your Apple Watch at all. And so in that sense, it's one way to upsell people. Exactly. In, <laughs> it's in, disposable. <laughs> Buy a new watch every day. So in that sense, I suppose, um, Apple wasn't right to do that, but I, I, I think that it's more about just, making sure that it's incredibly clear exactly what it is doing and what it is not doing so that uh, people can understand. Because right now, I can open up a drawer and I've got quite literally ones, uh, nine um, of the either entirely small, the little cubes, or the, the ones that used to come with the iPad. Uh, I've got plenty of charging bricks. And so... I think that's a okay. And then, you know, I've got plenty of uh, USB ports that I could plug things into. But um, I guess, I guess we'll see if they do that with the iPhone 12. Um, it's a maybe for me. It's a maybe for me. Lori, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I think this was a great idea. I think more tech companies should do stuff like that. Because just like you said, Micah, everybody at this point probably has a wall charger with a USB-C port so that they can just plug it into their wall. And even if they don't, you have to have an iPhone to use an Apple Watch. So up until a future iPhone that doesn't come with a wall wart, you guaranteed have a wall charger because you have to have an iPhone to use an Apple Watch. So there's always a wall charger so far. Secondarily to that, you can also plug it into your computer. So if you use a computer, you can plug it in. So at this point, the only people who would not benefit from or, or who, who would benefit from having a wall charger would be people who don't own a computer, don't own an iPhone. That doesn't leave very many people left in the world. And you're still at a point where you can just buy a third-party wall charger. So I think the number of people that would be negatively impacted by this are incredibly few. And I think that 
in terms of the environmental benefit of this, absolutely, this was a good idea. And will um, Apple do this for the iPhone 12? I don't know, because the the iPhone actually is a little bit different in that you don't have to have a computer or a watch in order in order to have a phone. So um, it it does become a little bit more complicated on whether or not you c- you should have a charger with it. I think ideally they would leave it out at the end that you would just have to buy a wall charger if you didn't own one because again the environmental impact is pretty strong there. And when we have a dozen, a lot of us have a dozen of them in our house. There's no reason to have more. And even if you're talking about people who are brand new to technology, not only do, do you probably already have something you can plug it into, but even if you don't, you can always buy a less expensive one, frankly, um, from, from a third-party seller or straight from Apple. Um, and, and I think that's okay. Yeah, I think that the the watch had the it was the easiest case in which to remove a power adapter because I do think a the watch charge is very low. You can probably plug it into almost any charger like like plug that you've got. And let's face it, even if you're not talking about Apple things, I mean, how many plugs do you have in your drawer? Mike has got nine. I've probably got at least that many. Um, I think that it's it's a probably a good move both for the environmental aspect as well as let's let's not let's not you know gloss over the fact that it's good for Apple right they get to sell a watch at the same price and not include an extra <laughs> expense for them so it doesn't hurt them at all um, in fact it's a nice deal for them but I don't think I agree with Lori that I don't think that most people will actually be terribly affected by this not only because so and so many people have USB plugs all over the place and most people have you know a computer. But also even things like USB plugs are becoming more and more prevalent in like built into outlets and stuff like that. So I, I think that the availability of them is actually pretty high. And, and Lori also made a great point that you can buy a cheaper power plug than Apple sells easily. Cheaper and usually I, more durable. Usually better too. Yeah, I, I on the iPhone 12 thing, I don't know. I'm really coming down like I, you know, coming out yesterday, I was thinking like, oh, yeah, they won't include it. And then I thought more about it and was like, well, the, the iPad Air has one and it uses USB-C. And the more recent iPhone, I think the iPhone uh, 11 Pro used a USB-C to lightning charger. It's like, well, not as many people have USB-C chargers, so that's a little bit dicier. And while newer Macs do have those, if you have an older Mac, you may not have a USB-C port. Um, And there are fewer of them on a lot of the computers as well, too. So I don't know. I'm sure they'd love to. I'm sure it would save them a ton of money, and it would be good for the environment as well. But I'm not 100% convinced that they can get away with it quite yet. I suspect... Maybe next year, if they've moved to like USB 4 on the iPhone itself, um, then maybe they'll decide that that's the time to drop it. But part of me thinks this year it's probably still going to be in there. Stephen, why don't you wrap us up for us? Yeah, fantastic. It it was a big surprise because the the rumors up until now have can, been kind of unanimous that the iPhone 12 was you know going to be the device that ditched the charger and then Apple surprised us and, and the watch uh, it was announced yesterday and it's gone. I think people will be really surprised. It, it sounds so trivial how much smaller the Apple Watch box will be without a charger in it. And it will be the same for any Apple device. Um, the amount of space that a, a charger takes up uh, in a box, um, the, the environmental impacts um, that that will have, I don't think can be overstated. Um, Lisa Jackson in the presentation yesterday, she said that not including the charger uh, with the watch was the equivalent of taking 50,000 cars off the road every single year. So for me, it seems like an environmental no-brainer. And I think, Lauren and a couple of you hit the nail on the head that you have to have an iPhone 
excuse me, to use an Apple Watch. So uh, by definition, you're going to have a charger floating around your house anyway. I think, like you've said, it's going to be really interesting to see what Apple does with the iPhone 12, but I would really not be surprised if the iPhone 12, I know it would be would be controversial, and, and I think the vast majority of people would be really quite upset, but I would I would put, like, not too much, but like a, a bit of money on, on Apple not including a charger with the iPhone 12 next well, I say month, whenever that will be. Who knows? Right. Yes. All right. Well, folks, we have r- almost reached the end of this episode of Clockwise. Before we get there, though, I wanted to remind you that September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and you can join St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital this September with organizations such as the well- World Health Organization, who are committed to transforming cancer care with a goal of curing at least 60% of children worldwide with six of the most common cancers by 2030. With your support, you will help St. Jude's stay true to its life-saving mission, finding cures and saving children. Donate to support childhood cancer around the world at stjude.org slash relay. Again, donate now at stjude.org slash relay. Alrighty, folks, uh, that brings us to the end of another episode of Clockwise. All that's left is to thank our awesome guests. Lori Gill, thank you so much for joining us. It was great. Thank you. And Stephen Warwick, thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And Micah. Yeah. We'll be back next week. And until then, we remind everybody out there listening, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>